All right, good morning, everyone. This is a prayer for the persecuted church weekend. And in order to prepare for the message I want to share this morning, we have a video, and then we're going to pray after this video. So watch, watch this. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. We received this calling from the Lord, but the Lord has got a purpose for us as a family to live out our love for Him, our love for the Afghans to serve, and here we are. God, take our lives and make with us whatever you find pleasant and, and good in your purpose. So it was a normal day for us, and Vanna just went to the office and he was teaching that morning. Actually, that was the routine every day. And for the children, if they didn't have a weekend or didn't interact with their friends, they were doing schoolwork. Both of them have got a deep walk with the Lord and there's this hunger for the Lord that's very precious. And they are growing, they are growing in their faith day by day. And it's wonderful to be their mom and experience how they are growing. Um, and living their lives for the Lord in a place like Afghanistan. Most wonderful thing that a parent can do for his child is to bring him up in the Lord's way so that he knows who his Creator is and that he can have a loving relationship with the Lord and live a life for that purpose. <laughs> I've asked myself many times in the past, Lord, is this really where you want us? Because of all the difficulties, the challenges, we can lose our lives any time for the Lord. When I look at that in the spiritual realm, I know that he will not take us to a place like Afghanistan and just dump us there and he doesn't have a plan and a purpose for that. So I know 100% that we are in the right place, that we are obedient to the calling tell my children, um, John Pierre and today, you will face a very difficult day today um, and I'm not going to be there to help you and Daddy is also not going to be there to help you. But Jesus is going to be there to help you through this and He will be there. He promised never to leave us, nor forsake us.
I believe they are in front of the Lord's throne, worshipping him, praising him, glorifying him. And that they are just waiting for me to finish the race as well. Jesus stuff, that it will cause them to seek and to come to know you. I pray for those who are left behind through this, these murders and through the, this persecution, Lord, that they will be able to be the voice of Christ to the world. And Lord, as we see our own country and the things that are happening here in the U.S., the way that, that the gospel is being just stifled and stymied. And the, the world around us is rebelling against the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that we will be able to stand, that we will have a walk that is so close to you that we will not fear our own life, but that our lives will reflect your love and compassion. And so Lord, we're looking forward to um, what you have in store for us after Tuesday's election, sometimes with fear and trepidation, but yet, Lord, you are giving us who we deserve, who we need. Lord, wake us up as a country so no matter who goes into office that we will remember to pray for them. We will remember to, to uh, commit ourselves to following Christ no matter what, that we will not allow rules or regulations that they, they bring into, into pass to thwart our walk with you. So, Lord, we, we just commit ourselves to you. That, Lord, we will be faithful and firm to the end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. John, I was watching a... Uh, sermon online this week, John Piper said in one of his sermons, he said, life is hard, but God is good, and glory is coming. Amen? And it's, 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 it's that way. Life is hard, but God is good, and glory is coming. Another illustration, Christians in modern Chad, Africa, were being persecuted for refusing to participate in old tribal initiation rites, they, they say they believed were pagan. Reliable sources reported the tortured deaths of pastors, evangelists, and other church leaders who declined to commit such acts that were contrary to their faith, like, like drinking chicken blood offered to idols or handling fetishes and the like. They told of people being buried alive with just a part of their leg sticking out or for more longer-lasting torture to be buried with just their head sticking out of the ground until they died. This was to, um, to be a terrifying warning to those who would want to continue in their Christian faith. The persecution originated when the president of Chad launched a cultural revolution apparently to rid the nation and its four million inhabitants of these, quote, international 
rebellions, these foreign influences, and to establish an identity with the country's past. But the church leaders met and agreed to oppose the rights, no matter what it meant. And they also refused to readmit those in their church who went and took part in these, these acts. They took a hard stance. There's more than, there's more than 1,500 congregations in this country numbering over 10,000 people that they made this stand. These horrific acts, the one we saw here on the screen, the one I just read about and others, are repeated throughout the world on a normal basis. We're going to talk about that today. So grab your Bibles. We're going to open to John chapter 15, staying in the book of John this week. John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 18 and 19 to start with. And so keep your finger there. We'll be spending most of our time there. It says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of, this, of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Also on the screen, this verse in 1 John chapter 3.13, it says, don't be surprised, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So in the beginning, point number one is that I want to define what is the world that they're talking about there. Now, if you look around you, outside, you see God's marvelous, wonderful creation that he's given to us. One of my favorite things to do is, is I, I put my headphones on, I have worship music on my, on, on, in, my, in my MP3 player, and MP3 player, that, that makes me sound old. <laughs> but I am. Anyways, but I fill that full of Christian worship music, and I get on my bicycle, and I just ride. No matter where I'm going, I just want to go new places that I've never been before because I love being out in nature and just observing, seeing rock formations, seeing the trees, how that they, they create these forests and all these things. I just love doing that. Picture in your mind, if you would, the most beautiful place you've ever been to. You have that in your mind? It helps us to just really feel in awe because God created that for you and I. He did that for us. It does, it's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like, but he created this world for us to enjoy. But the world that we're talking about here, the world is, is that that's ruled by Satan and carried out by those who follow his commands, either knowingly or unknowingly. Because the, they're obeying the will of the prince and power of the air. The Bible teaches us that if you are not in, in Christ's family, you are in Satan's family. There is no middle ground. It's either one or the other. Either you're serving Christ as a child forgiven, your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, or you are obeying Satan and his will. There's no, there's no third way. The devil, we obey his wishes if that's where we are in that camp. Therefore, the world is everything that is contrary to what the Word of God says. 
That's what the world is. I'll have some blanks here for you to fill in in a minute. But the world is that what is contrary to the word of God. Now Lucifer, Satan's name his, that was given to him in heaven means morning star. And he was the leader of worship over all the angels in heaven in order to bring praise and honor and worship to our God. But he got a little too much thinking too highly of himself and because of that pride and arrogance, God kicked him out of heaven. He became the prince and the power of the air on this earth. And until that day when he will be cast into the lake of fire to burn for all eternity, those who follow his will, Satan's will, will be right along there with him. And you're going to be joining him in that lake of fire. So the world then, here's the three things, is the philosophy the lifestyle, and the moral values that we see around us. That's the world. That's what we see when, when we look at TV. And these. Now, one thing you need to keep in mind is that this may vary from country to country. One country may believe, and I was just listening to a, a, a story that out of um, the British Isles, an area where euthanasia is legal. They can kill you if they think that you're challenged mentally or you're sick or you're too old. Euthanasia is, is, is now becoming commonplace there and it's moving this way. But we have had the privilege of, being, of living in a country that was founded on Judeo-Christian values years ago. And for the last 200 years, we have benefited from that. We've experienced great freedoms and peace. Most wars have not been fought on our soil. America has been a powerful country that would not succumb to the pressures that of opposing countries who were contrary to our biblical beliefs. That was before. But what's happening to our moral values that we held so dear as a country? What's happening to those? Someone wrote, I don't know who wrote this, it didn't say, but it says the best way to control over a people and control them utterly is to take a little of their freedom at a time, to erode rights by a thousand tiny, almost imperceptible reductions. In this way, the people will not see those rights and freedoms being removed until past the point at which these changes cannot be reversed. You hear that? I mean, that's what's happening in our country. Little by little, things are being eroded away. Vladimir Stalin said, Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. You've seen that happen. In Cornerstone, we have some pretty amazing people, our teachers, that teach in the schools, the public schools, the Christian schools, the colleges, I admire them and I pray for them because what they are facing is the indoctrination of the minds of our young people these days. Things are happening at such a rapid pace. The decline of our moral values and instructions have taken away the things that we hold value as older people and have changed it to a different philosophy of life. And these things are changing so fast it's, it's both staggering and disconcerting, and it's fearful to a lot of parents, 
of what's going on in our schools. So pray for our school teachers. Pray for them, especially the believers who are, are in the trenches and fighting against that to be able to hold Christian values. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have a baby dedication. That's why we encourage parents to train up a child in the way he should go so that when he gets older, he can make the right decisions in knowing being able to distinguish between good and evil. Thankful to have all the Lafayette students. Lafayette is just like any other, other college, university around that, that liberal theology and doctrines have been coming in over and over. We pray for you guys that you'll be able to distinguish that the, our goal as a church is not to isolate people from, from the things, the influences of the world, not to isolate them, but to insulate them, that we know the word of God so well that we can discern and, and detect when things are, are, are wrong, when things are not the way they should be. Now, I, as an example, I went to the dentist the other day. I had a crown that was coming loose, and they had to pull it off, drill some holes in there, and put a plug in there, and then jam it back on there. He asked me if I wanted some anesthesia. I said, no, nah, I'm tough. I can take it. It was painful, but, but it did it. But anyways, I didn't have to not eat for, I didn't chew my tongue up for a long time. But part of the, root, part of the thing that they had to do is take an x-ray afterwards to make sure everything was on straight and everything was okay. And, um, but just before they took the x-ray, they take this lead blanket and put it from my chin all the way down to my knees. And what is that for? It's to isolate, insulate us, to insulate us from those harmful gamma rays that could damage some of our organs inside us. And that's what the word of God can do. We're not asking God to take us out of the world. We have to be in the world, but we don't have to be a part of it. We can be isolated. We can be insulated, I mean, insulated with the word of God, and we can, we can live a life that is pleasing to him. Now, this is the thing I want us to remember, is if we are growing in our faith, if this is, we recognize and we're able to resist the fiery darts of the evil one, then some results are going to happen. Something is going to happen because the world hates the truth. The world hates the word of God. And they will do anything in their power to get you to compromise. If you're following the word of God, you'll be known as a, a bigot, a homophobe, narrow-minded, intolerant, and, uh, and the list goes on of things that they call us because we follow what this book says. And they want us to change. The world hates the truth and it's fighting against it. There was an emperor, Valens, sent messengers to lure Usabias into heresy by fair words and glowing, glowing promises. And here's what the saint said. Alas, sirs, these speeches are fit, are fit to catch children, but we who are taught and nourished by the sacred scriptures are ready to suffer a thousand deaths rather than permit one tittle of the scriptures to be altered. The emperor threatened to take by force all his goods to torture him, to banish him, and even kill him. The, the courageous Christian answered, he said, he needs not fear confiscation who has nothing to lose, nor banishment to whom heaven is his country, nor torment 
when his body can be destroyed with one blow. Nor death, which is the only way to set him at liberty from sin and sorrow. That's a guy that knows the word of God. That brings us to our second point where the world is trying to get us. Point number two is the lure of the world. First part of verse 19 says that if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. The world would love you if you were like them. Now here's where the the rubber meets the road, and, and, and I'm about to say some things that might ruffle some feathers because of how we were raised. One glaring problem we have here in America, even among Christians, is that we feel that we have the right to be happy. We have the right to be wealthy. We have the right to live at peace. And we work to that end, to provide enough for our families, to have nice things, to go on great vacations, to put our kids through college and have a large retirement package. And the reality is, is if that is our mindset, we will begin to compromise biblical truths in order to fit into the mindset. So I'm not saying, listen to me clearly, I'm not saying that if you have a lot of money, if you're actually content in life and you're living at peace that you're not in the center of God's will, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, if your goal in life is to be happy, if the thing that you're living for is to have a nice job and to have this and to have that in order to be happy and content, I'm talking to you. There's a huge difference. God has blessed many of you in this church in a number of ways. And I've seen you use that to bless other people. When we have a need uh, for, for some funds for a mission trip, many people stand up and say, I want to support that. I can't go myself, but I want to support that. Others of you who have homes that are, that are nice, you open it up to, to uh, life groups. Use my home. My home is, is yours. Come and study. Come and learn the word of God here. Those who have strength and abilities to do the work, you're saying, God, you give me, you blessed me with this. Let me help other people. I admire you. I thank God for you. But those who are falling into the trap of the world and saying that the, even the prosperity gospel mentality, those are the ones that he's talking about here. If you're looking so much like the world that there's no distinguishing between, between you and an unbeliever, something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. You've got wrong priorities. And so we need to look at this in John, 1 John, it's on the screen here, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for, in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So my question is, why do you think that, that we have the same mindset as the world? Why do you think that we deserve anything good in this life? Why do, you think, why, do, why do people think that way? It's because that's what the world wants us to think. The world wants us to think that. We deserve a break today. So go get this hamburger. You deserve this car. 
I could go on and on with commercials that say, you deserve this. And, and that's the world is drawing us. Why? Because if Satan could get us to think like the world, then it would draw us away from our true purpose in life. It will. It'll draw us away. So what I'm saying is that there are people in this room right here that I, I believe that God has pricked your heart to either become a missionary or to become a pastor or be involved in a, a Christian ministry. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Why? Because we have been ingrained in, in our lives from the very beginning that you need to go and get a good education. You need to learn to make money so that you can put money aside for your family and have a good income and benefits for your future and for your children. The Bible, the Bible does say that we need to provide for our families. If we don't, we're worse than infidels. It says if you don't work, you don't eat. You need to take care of your family. But he doesn't say that we need to give our family a comfortable life, an inheritance that has lots of money in it so they don't have to work hard their whole life, that they, they can have all their needs provided for. He's not saying that. There's a huge difference between the needs that we have on a daily basis and the things that we want that are extra. I'm not going to get into the things of this, but the, you can just imagine in your mind what people think they need in order to be happy. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, during his prayer, he said, we need to be praying for our daily bread. In other words, to pray for the things that we need for that day. That daily bread could mean, God, today, I, I just ask you, God, to let me speak truth to somebody today. It could be, Lord... I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Lord, I don't know. I've been sick for three weeks now. I got to get back to work. God, help me. I need this. I, I, I need to make, make the needs in my family. But we've allowed ourselves to succumb to the world that says these things that we need are things that, that are really not needs. They're just things that make us happy and comfortable. Amen. Casting Crown wrote a song. I don't, one of the guys wrote the song. And it's talking about that downward slippery slope that we always, that we've often find ourselves going down. The words go like this. It's entitled Slow Fade. Be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful little feet where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray. And thoughts invade, a choice is made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never, cr never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Verse 2 goes on, it says, Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattering leads to compromise, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say, for empty words and promises leave broken hearts astray. Then the part of the song goes, the journey from our mind to our hands is shorter than your thinking. Be careful if you think you stand, you just might be sinking. 
And that's what's going on in our country, is that we're compromising in little things and little things. That lure of the world, that lure is drawing us away from the passion that we need to have in Christ. So when our thinking and the world's thinking align, what's going to be the result? We're not going to have any problems. We're going to get along with everybody. I, one of my least favorite bumper stickers is that one that says coexist. Oh, man, alive. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And compromising, allowing the world's philosophy to become ours. And it's so easy to do. Once, well, one of the things is that we never, we don't speak up against injustice. We don't speak up against lies. And, and, um, and if we shy away from sharing truth with our neighbors, friends, and coworkers, and classmates, and that, it's going to be the result. We're not going to have any issues. We won't have any problems. We get along with everybody. But once we take the word of God seriously and begin to live out the life that it talks about, about not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ and, and, and not being afraid to stand up for what truth is, things are going to be really different. It's going to bring glory to God. But people are going to see you differently. They're going to begin to hate you. They're going to begin to have issues with you because you don't agree with them. Those far-right, Bible-banging, gun-toting Christians, you know, those... The world doesn't like us. But once we do that, which leads to our third point, what are the results of resisting the world's lure? What are the results of resisting what the world is trying to put on us? Second half of verse 19 says, but because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, remember the quote I said at the very beginning from John Piper that said, life is hard, but God is good, and glory is coming. There was a, a message that was spoken years ago by a, a black pastor. His name was S.M. Lockridge. I think he was from Philadelphia. Just a powerful message. It's entitled, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. Watch this video. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's a-sleeping, Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming, it's Friday, Pilate's struggling, the council is conspiring, the crowd is vilifying, they don't even know that Sunday's coming, it's Friday, the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd, Mary's crying. Peter is denying, but they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. 
and evils grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, Hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Amen. Folks, Friday's here. Our world is, is changing, but Sunday's coming. That glorious day when we stand before the Lord, on that day when he calls us home, it's going to be great. The world has taught us that we should strive to live as long as we can because to them, that's all there is, is this, this earth. They have nothing to look forward to. And that's a lie of the devil because we need to remember what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So my question to you is this. Why do we think that we deserve a more comfortable life than that of Christ? Why do we think we deserve that? When the disciples began to follow Jesus, he told them that he had no place to lay his head. The religious leaders of that day hated him. The crowds wanted to, to stone him. And we think we deserve anything better than our Savior? We have to read those next two verses, verses 20 and 21, to understand that even better. He says, remember the word, that I, the word I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep, kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. I'm convinced that the peace 
and easy lives that we've experienced up to this point here in the U.S., in America, is soon to come to an end. Our society and our culture is rapidly changing for the worse, and Christian values are despised. But, but really, this shouldn't surprise us because God predicted these things. He says in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution's coming. We're, we even see it in Columbine. In other places where, where people have been shot and killed for their faith, even here in America. God's blessing has been on our country for many years. But like all great nations, they implode from within. Their moral values, their culture disintegrates from within. They begin to lose that passion for what got them to be that great nation. For us, it was that we held to a truth that we, we've lost. This is the thing we need to remember is that Satan doesn't need you to commit great sins. He only needs to get you to begin to lose passion for Christ and to compromise in those little things. When you see a wrong done at work, I had a conversation this last Wednesday in our Bible study with somebody that, that they, when that these people come in and they they want to the cheat. And they says, well, we'll ask for forgiveness later. No. No, we're not going to do that. As Christians, we can't do that. So he doesn't need us to get to commit great sins. He only needs us to get to, to let our passion for Christ grow weaker. And then we'll begin to compromise in little things. So my question is, are you, are you sold out for Christ? Are there things in your life... That, that take precedence over your walk with God? Are there things that are drawing you down? Are you, are you looking at things on the internet that are inappropriate? Are you thinking about somebody in your life, in, your, in a relationship, a coworker, more than you do your own spouse? Or that if you're not married, that you, you're having a relationship with somebody that is ungodly, that is not scriptural? Do you find yourself getting angry more easily these days? These are all signs that, that that compromise, that passion that we should have for Christ is being compromised. And we're lowering our standards in order to meet that of the world or to make ourselves happy. Instead of saying, I am dedicated, I am fully a devoted follower of Christ. Joshua challenged us in the Old Testament in Joshua 24 verses 14 to 18, it's on the screen. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your sight to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. Therefore, we, will also, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. 
He's saying, you've got a choice. You're either going to follow the world or you're going to follow God. You're going to follow Christ. You can't compromise. As the world gets tougher, as, as things begin to happen, as persecution begins to happen in the U.S. on a regular basis, I know somebody that lost their job because they had a Bible on their thing and their boss didn't like that. He fired them. I have a video of a, of a, of a nurse who was fired from his position at the hospital because he would pray with patients. And the hospital fired him. It's happening. We just don't see it. So my, I want to end with this. Is there something that is holding you back from being a fully devoted follower of Christ? Is there a commitment that you need to, to make today? Is there something that you need to do and say? So as we prepare our hearts for the coming persecution that is coming, we don't know what this election is going to hold on Tuesday. It could go any direction. We don't know what these candidates say they're going to do and what they actually do once they get elected. We don't know. We need to be ready for whatever God brings down the pipe for us. So in closing today, this hasn't been a, a fun sermon. It's been hard to hear, hard to speak. And if I stepped on toes, I'm glad. You know, because we have to get over this, this thing that it's about me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about his life and how I can live it to please him. So is there something that you need to confess to God today? Is there a commitment that you need to make? So I'm gonna, we're all going to close our eyes. We're all gonna, I'm going to start praying. And if you are committing yourself to following fully after God, I want you to stand as, as, you, as you make that commitment to the Lord. When we're done, you'll be dismissed. And if anybody needs to talk to one of us, we're here for you. Let's pray. Father, at this, this afternoon, Lord, it's, it's just disconcerting to realize that we have allowed our country to get to the point that it is, that, that there's now going to be persecution. And Lord, and I pray that as these folks commit themselves to following hard after Christ, they make that stand right now. They make that stand to say, God, I am not going to compromise. I am not going to change one jot or tittle in the scriptures in order to make myself comfortable or happy. Lord, as we stand together in unity of our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you will just give us the, the power and strength and wisdom in order to, to make that commitment. So Lord, thank you for those who are standing. Thank you for those who are making a stand to follow hard after Christ. For those who can't make that stand right now, Lord, I pray that you will just work in their heart and help them to be able to get to that point where they say, Lord, I'm going to forsake everything that's in this world and follow you, no matter where that takes me. No matter what comes my way, 
Lord, I pray for that. I pray that those who are still sitting will be able to make that commitment soon. So Lord, take our lives, use them, mold us and make us into usable vessels for your, your kingdom's sake. So Lord, it's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. 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 You are dismissed. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the service today.